Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome River Glen. Welcome everybody here in, in the room in uh, Waukesha and everybody online on the other side of the camera. And uh, welcome everybody in Pewaukee. So good to have you with us. Hey, uh, anybody looking forward to that extra hour of sleep uh, tonight? Anybody excited about that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. That's going to be great. So, uh, you know, don't forget to uh, set your clock back an hour before you go to uh, bed. Well, today we, we continue this series. We're going through Romans chapter 6 through 8. series called The New You because when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it's really a decision to learn a new way of life. Here's a verse where Paul says the old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's what this series is about. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says the old life of sin is gone. It's dead. It's buried. Pictured in your baptism. We baptized several people last weekend. And then you begin a new and better life. In verse 18, Paul says that you've been set free from sin. But you know what? If I'm being honest, I don't really feel set free from sin. Ask my wife, my kids, the people that I work with, and they'll tell you that I'm not set free. I, I still uh, struggle. Sometimes I wonder if I'm free. Why do I get angry sometimes and jealous and selfish and greedy? If the old life is gone, why do I continue to battle with it? So what did Paul mean when he said the old life is, is gone? Well, there are some things that are gone. I, I came across a, a list. Being separated from God is gone. Scripture says at one time you were separated from God. You're not separated anymore. The penalty for sin is gone. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the full penalty for all your sin. You, you still, you st we, still, we still sin, but we're not penalized for it for all eternity. Bondage to sin is also gone. Our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer uh, be slaves to sin. We still fail, but we're not slaves to sin. And eternal death is gone. If we've been united with Jesus in his death, we'll certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Someday we're going to go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. And so all these things are gone. Separation from God, penalty and bondage to sin and eternal death, completely gone. But what is not gone is our tendency to sin because we have a sinful nature that wants to go against God's best for our lives. We're, we're born with it. Uh, we, uh, we, we've got three kids. Uh, Marty and I have raised uh, three kids. And when they were growing up, we had to teach them to do a lot of things. You know, we had to teach them how to talk. We taught them how to walk. We taught them how to eat. But we didn't have to teach them how to sin. Yeah, that, that came natural for them and for all of us. All of us have a sinful nature. All of us have this conflict inside of us between good and evil. The new you wants to fill you with love and joy and peace, but the old you wants to bring you down and lead you to sin and destruction. You know, it reminds me how some people keep uh, wild animals as uh, pets. This is a couple that have a uh, pet cougar, yeah, that they keep in their apartment, and they post videos about it on YouTube. And I've watched some of these videos, and this cougar, I mean, seems like a very loving, affectionate, friendly pet. But remember, this cougar is a cat, okay? And it has the nature of a wild animal, the instincts of a wild animal. And at any moment, it could take their face off. In fact, if you uh, Google it, you'll find all kinds of articles about people who keep wild animals as pets. Sometimes they get attacked in painful ways. And in the same way, 
When we start following Jesus, the old life is gone, and we've got all these amazing benefits, but we still have a wild, sinful nature, and we live with internal conflict between good and evil. So how do we win this battle with sin? How do we defeat sin so that we can enjoy the new life that God has for us? Paul talks very personally about his struggle with the sinful nature in Romans chapter seven. These are some of the most honest, transparent words in the entire uh, Bible. Paul says it this way. He says, "I, I don't understand myself at all, for I really wanna do right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. It seems to be a fact of life that when I wanna do what is right, inevitably, I do what is wrong. Paul says, when I'm honest about it, my life feels out of control. When I want to do good, I don't do it. And I end up, instead I end up doing things that I hate. You know, I wonder, where in your life do you feel that way sometimes? What's the one thing that you have a hard time controlling? Where where do you sometimes feel out of control? Um, You know, I thought back, I I, I lost control. I lost a battle uh, right before COVID. I, uh, I was in one of our storage rooms here at the church and I was getting, a, I think I was getting a box of tissues and I noticed a bag, big bag of uh, M&Ms on the shelf. And uh, I, I love M&Ms. Anybody else like M&Ms? Oh yeah, you gotta love M&Ms. There's all kinds of flavors, right? There's, uh, you know, peanut M&Ms, dark chocolate peanut M&Ms. There's uh, pretzel M&Ms. There's even pumpkin spice. Um, M&Ms, but uh, I, don't really, I don't really go for those. I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to M&Ms. I like the, the plain, uh, good old plain M&Ms. And that, that's what kind of M&Ms were on the shelf in the storage room calling my name that, that day. And I knew it'd be wrong for me to, to eat some. Uh, they were not mine. Uh, they belonged to the church. We put them out on the weekend, but I slipped, okay? I confess, I ate a few. M&M's and uh, they tasted so good. I decided, you know what, I'm gonna make a snack out of this. And I got a cup, I put some in a cup, I finished that and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna make a meal out of this. I got a bowl. I filled up on M&M's. I heard one time that if you eat one M&M, you have to walk the length of a football field to burn the calories off. And so I would have to walk to Chicago to burn off all the M&M's that I ate. I ate so many, it felt like I had a bowling ball in my stomach, I felt sick. I mean, I felt terrible, and then I felt guilty, and I went and bought some M&Ms to replace the ones I ate. But I, I, I mean, I lost a battle. I lost control that day. I wonder, what are the M&Ms for you? What temptations are you drawn to? What is your signature sin? Where do you fail? What, what do you have a hard time controlling? If, if we're honest, all of us struggle with something because all of us have a sinful nature. Paul says it this way in verse 20. If I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin. He says it's my sinful nature living in, in, in me. Isn't that an amazing verse? I mean, Paul is saved. He's forgiven. He wrote more books of the Bible than anybody else, but he still fails because his sinful human nature didn't go away when he put his trust in Jesus Christ. And so he says, I find this law, you know, at work inside me. When he says law, he he means something that doesn't change. 
It's like the law of gravity, this law at work inside of me when I want to do good. Evil's right there with me, waging war inside me. Over in Galatians, he says this, these two forces, good and evil, are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. And so if you're here uh, with us today, if you're with us today, and uh, you got a battle going on inside of you between good and evil, and you're never totally free from that battle, you know, you know what, that's a good sign that shows you're a Jesus follower. That's good news, uh, because if you have a battle going on inside of you between good and, good and evil, it indicates that God is at work in your life. If there's no battle going on inside of you, that can be, that, that's a danger sign. It might indicate that God is missing from your life because followers of Jesus, real followers of Jesus, even the Apostle Paul, have an ongoing battle, internal battle, between good and evil. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you five ways to win this battle, five ways to defeat the sin that wants to dominate and control your life and mine. First of all, I've, I've got to acknowledge the truth. I've got, to, I've got to say to myself and to God, I struggle with sin, and not just in a general way, but it needs to be specific. The sin that I have a hard time controlling is blank. You name it. You identify it. You say, God, I struggle with this particular sin. And so I want to ask again, where do you sometimes feel out of control? What is your signature sin? Where do you fail? Maybe you lose control at your kids' sporting events and it's embarrassing. Maybe you lose control at parties and embarrass yourself. Maybe um, you're married and you daydream about somebody else. Maybe it's gambling or pornography and you say never again, but it keeps happening. Or maybe it's overeating, overspending, overdrinking, or uh, just lying. Uh, maybe you hate someone who hurt you and you know, you've tried to let it go, but you just can't. Will you acknowledge it and ask God to help you defeat this problem? Many of you will uh, recognize Chip and Joanna uh, Gaines. They had a hit TV show on HGTV called Fixer Upper. Their Magnolia brand has just grown all across the, the country. But just seven years ago, they were just a, a normal couple living in Texas, making, trying to make ends meet, living in a small rented house, you know, uh, no money, lots of debt, until a TV crew discovered them and began following them. What some people don't know is that Chip and Joanna are followers of Jesus, and they faced enormous pressure every day. A few years ago, Joanna began to realize how their fast pace affected their kids and their families, their family. I want, I want you to hear what she writes in the, their book, the Magnolia story. She says, I worked hard to keep our house looking clean and uncluttered. But it seemed like almost every day I spent most of my time picking up after the kids and yelling at the kids for making messes or spilling milk. It was exhausting. I was finally taking a moment for myself one afternoon. I plopped down on the sofa. But when I looked down at my beautiful new snowy white slipcover, it was covered with little black fingerprints. I mean, there were fingerprints everywhere. Everything in me wanted to stand up and go in there and yell at those kids for not washing their hands like I told them a thousand times before. I was so mad that I was just about to lose it. But then I heard them down the hallway and all four of them erupted in laughter over some little silly thing. Their giggles were so full of joy, it pierced my heart. I looked down at the sofa and I realized something surprising. Someday, 
I might actually miss those little fingerprints. She says, right then and there, I realized I had been focused on the wrong things. I knew I had to make a choice. So what if my house wasn't perfect? My empty obsession with perfection was causing me to be an angry parent. Maybe, maybe some parents can relate. She says, that day changed me. I thought, what am I, gonna, what am I going for in life? Do I want this perfectly manicured house or do I want a happy family? I felt as if 100 pounds got lifted off my shoulder that afternoon. I sat on the sofa and I thought, holy cow, I can breathe again. She says, I don't worry so much about the mess. Instead, I try to focus on my relationship with the one who spilled the milk. Joanna, Joanna's signature sin was perfectionism that caused her to lash out at her kids in anger. But the day she acknowledged her sin, that was the day she began to breathe. That's how you begin to overcome sin. You acknowledge the truth. But, but here's what many people do. They either deny, they either deny it, or they delay. Some people just deny that they have a problem. You know, everybody else can see that they struggle with anger and addiction, foul language. But if you're in denial, here's what you say a lot. Oh, it's, it's not that bad. It's no big deal. But you can no big deal yourself out of a job. You can no big deal yourself out of a marriage. Other people delay. They say, you know what, you're probably right. You know, I should do something about my credit card debt. I should probably do something, need to do something about my stress load or, or partying. But now's not a good time. But very often when people say not now, it turns into not ever. Because people who delay are not serious about making changes. So the first step to defeating your signature sin is you acknowledge that this sin is a problem in your life. Second way is this. You refuse to blame. You refuse to blame other people. I noticed something in Romans chapter 7. I, I've never noticed this before. As Paul talks about his struggle with a sinful nature, I want you to notice how many times he uses the personal pronoun I. It's 27 times in 11 verses. You know, for example, he says, I am unspiritual. I do not understand what I do. I know that nothing good lives in me. I desire to do good, but I can't carry it out. What a wretched man I am. Paul had all, all sorts of people and circumstances that he could have blamed for his struggles. He could have blamed his, his parents, his upbringing, his teachers, even God himself. But Paul knows that ultimately the sins he struggles with are his sins. And if he blames other people, he will never get over these issues in his life. Maybe you've got some people that you could uh, blame. Maybe there's somebody who lied to you, who cheated on you, who stole from you, and it wasn't your fault. And I know this is hard, but if you stay in blaming mode, you're gonna stay stuck in your life because blaming will prevent you from taking charge of your life and defeating sin. You've got to take full responsibility for 100% of your choices to defeat sin. Don't let somebody else who, who did something wrong to you define your life or dictate how you live. From now on, refuse to blame. Third way to win the battle with sin is to pursue Jesus. Paul says, what a miserable person I am. Who will save me from this life that's dominated by sin. Notice the key word here. He says, who will save me? Not what 
will save me. It's not knowledge, it's not a book, it's not a class, it's not self-help. Paul's done everything he can, but he finally realizes it's not what, it's who will save me from this life of sin. And he concludes this statement, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, sometimes we forget that it's not in our power, it's the power of Jesus that he gives to us that makes it possible for us to live like a new you. In fact, all through Paul's letters, he uses this phrase, in Jesus Christ, in Christ, in Christ you find life. In Christ you find strength. In Christ you find hope. In Christ you can get through this difficulty. It's in Christ, it's in relationship with Jesus. Paul had to remind himself that Jesus loves him and will give him the power to defeat the sin in his life when he asks for help. Because ultimately, it's, it's a who, not a what. So let me ask, how is your relationship with Jesus? Do you go to Jesus every single day in prayer and ask for help? Do you read his word? Do you remind yourself that Jesus has given you the power to defeat the sin in your life. Spending time reading uh, your Bible and praying can help you remember. That's why we provide daily devotions uh, from Romans chapter six through eight during this series. And uh, if you'd like to receive those daily readings, you can take out your phone right now and simply text this phrase at New You Devo to 81010 and uh, we'll send it to you Monday through Friday through text message. Read and reflect on a few verses each day and remember that in Christ, you have strength. You have the strength to win every battle. Fourth way to, to defeat sin, you gotta throw it off. You gotta throw it off. And this is where many people, so many of us either win or lose the battle with sin. Uh, many people, they make a, a genuine commitment to follow Jesus. They get the who right, but then they fail. People will attend a church like this and uh, hear a message like this and nod their head in agreement. Yeah, I believe that. I believe Jesus will give me the power to overcome sin. And then those same people will uh, go home and, and walk through the door and say, yeah, I believe I'm forgiven, but I can't stop drinking. I can't stop looking at images online. I can't stop yelling at my kids. I believe God gives me the power, but I just can't stop. Why is that? Well, it's because belief is really important, but it's just the beginning. Belief has got to be followed by effort. Belief has got to be followed by action. I want you to see what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter four. He says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, in other words, this is, this is where you began believing in Jesus. But then look at what he says, look at what he says next. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of, of life. You know, you read that and you think, how do you do that? You know, just throw it off. I mean, how do you throw off anger? How do you throw off lust? How do you throw that off? I think he means you've got to do something. You're not going to get over a signature sin by just hoping and praying that it goes away. You've got to attack this thing. You've got to do whatever it takes to fight it. And so in verse 25, he says, stop telling lies. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Do something concrete about it. 
I think he's saying that you got to get mad and fight this thing and do whatever it takes to get rid of it. Dr. Phil has this uh, saying, he, he calls this uh, putting something on project status. Something's going wrong in your home, something's going wrong in your marriage, something's going wrong with your kids. You, you got to put this on project status. You get serious. You take action. It might mean that you change your schedule, project status. It might mean that you drop a subscription or remove the internet. Do whatever it takes. You delete all contact information. Sometimes it means cutting off a certain friendship that just keeps dragging you down into the mud. Sometimes project status means that you move out of a situation or you ask for help. Paul says you're not going to defeat a signature sin by just praying and, and hoping that it goes away. You've got to do something about it. I want you to hear a story from a young man named Casey from our church. Take a look. I really appreciate Casey sharing that, sharing that story with us. He had a problem, and he didn't just hope that it, that it goes away. He took action, didn't he? He, uh, he took the step of baptism. That was a very powerful moment for him. We baptized several people last weekend, and, and maybe some of you are feeling that pull he talked about uh, to get baptized. We'd love to let us know. We'd love to arrange your baptism for you. But not just baptism. Casey joined a rooted group. He started uh, volunteering at Celebrate Recovery and on the, on the weekends. He took action. You know, he did something. What about you? What about you? Have you asked Jesus for the power to overcome it? And what action are you going to take? What action step are you going to take to defeat it? One more way to defeat sin is, is to live with gratitude. I want you to notice how Paul ends this uh, chapter. I think this is interesting. He says, who will save me from this life that's dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't it interesting that Paul ends this chapter uh, talking about his struggle with sin by thanking and expressing gratitude to God. You say, well, what's Paul grateful for? I mean, he's frustrated. He's struggling with sin. Why, why is he thanking God? Paul thanks God for what's gone. Remember, the old life is gone. Separation from God, gone. Penalty for sin, gone. Bondage to sin, gone. Eternal death, gone. And so Paul battles sin, not because he's afraid or worried. He battles from a place of gratitude from a place of strength because of what Jesus has already done for him. And gratitude is a much stronger motivator than fear. But here's what happens. Sometimes people get baptized. Um, you know, we baptized several people last weekend. And initially, people feel so grateful for the forgiveness that Jesus has, has given to them. But then they slip into sin. And they think, maybe it didn't work. Maybe it didn't take. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Some people follow Jesus for many years and get frustrated with themselves because they still struggle with sin. You wonder, is there something wrong? Why do I continue to struggle? And fear replaces gratitude, and it brings you down. I heard a story that uh, Pastor Kyle Eidelman shared that I think can give us perspective and encouragement. 
He told this story about a time when he was cleaning out his garage in the wintertime. Some water had seeped in and formed a patch of ice on the floor in his garage. I can relate to that. That happens every year in my, my garage. He was being, being very careful to step over the patch of ice, but eventually he forgot about it. And so he's walking along with a, 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 a load of boxes, a handful of boxes, and he slips and both feet up in the air, flat on his back, looking at the ceiling. When you're flat on your back with your, looking at your feet with the ceiling as a backdrop, you're not, in a good, you're not in a good place. It knocked the wind out of him. And as he lies on the door, floor, his dog, dog walks in. Apparently their dog lives in the garage. They've got a bed and a dish for water and food they keep in the garage for the dog. He said the dog looked at him and it was almost like his dog was saying, why are you lying on the garage floor? This is where I lie. This is where I live. What are you doing here? But the difference is Kyle didn't want to be lying on the garage floor. He tried not to slip and fall. His great desire was not to slip and fall, but he slipped and fell. And his intention was to get back up again at some point. The dog, on the other hand, he likes lying on the garage floor. That's where he lives. And when it comes to battling sin, there's a difference between living in sin and slipping and falling. Some people live in sin. Some people plan on it. You know, they'll say, you know, after work, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to grab some dinner and then I'm going to sin. It's part of their routine. They plan on it and they don't really feel bad about it or bothered by it. That's the sinful nature. No power to resist sin. Just do what feels good. There are others of us who would say, you know what, I slipped and I fell and I really, I didn't want to slip and fall and I tried hard not to slip and fall. It just happened and I really want to get back up again and live the new life that Jesus has for me. Now, could there be consequences for your behavior? Yes, but you're not living in it. You slip and fall from time to time. You want to obey God and when you struggle or slip and fall, you confess it to God, you receive his grace and forgiveness, and you move forward with gratitude. And I think Paul would say, if you can look back on your life and you can see progress, thank God. Maybe you used to live in sin. It was your routine. It really didn't bother you. It was, it was, it was just part of your life. But then you started changing. Jesus began changing you. You're not sinless but you sin less. You're not perfect, but you're, but you're making progress. Paul would say, thank God for the progress that you have made. Don't take that for granted. Don't live in fear. Be grateful for the way that God's already changed your life. Stay humble and dependent on God, and he will continue to grow you and help you live more like the new you. Can you imagine, you know, if all of us I followed these five ways to, to defeat sin. We acknowledged the truth. We refused to blame others. We pursued Jesus. Remember, it's, it's who, not what. And we would throw it off and live with gratitude for what God has already done for us. Here's what would happen. Sin would lose power and control in our lives. And we would be freed up to start living a new and better life for our kids, for our families, for our friends, and for Jesus. You would experience and enjoy the new you. Let me pray for us.
God, thank you so much for your love for us and the grace that you give us. Thank you for this amazing scripture where Paul is, is so honest and transparent about his own struggles. It gives us reassurance because we struggle too. Help us to acknowledge it, to refuse to blame others, to pursue Jesus and to throw it off and to take action and to live gratefully, thanking you for what Jesus has done for us and the progress we have made. God, use this series to help us live more like the new you. In Jesus' name, amen.